Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, December 17, 2014. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 2, and we are at page 24, Paragraph 3. Today's readers are Penny C., Becca W., Deb W., and Michelle H. The reference number for Tuesday, December 16th, is 7115. That's 7115. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA exists tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, the 12 steps. One, we, were, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Anita. I will now ask Alita P. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Hi. Good morning, everybody. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, 
a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, O-Readers Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, O-Readers Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, as we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers, it's six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 24, paragraph 3. I will ask Penny C. to begin reading, and she will read two paragraphs. Thank you, Penny. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Katie. My name is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater living in the Boston area. The alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often have some of us begun to drink in this nonchalant way and after the third or fourth pounded on the bar and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, well, I'll stop with the sixth drink. Or what's the use anyway? When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid and, unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. 
These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop but cannot. When I read that this, the first paragraph that I just read, it's, it's a description of myself when I was into the food. Be always thinking that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do all right this time. I can have one bite. And then coming to the decision that I just am always going to be, be fat. What's the use anyhow? And it was, it was, as most of us know, it was a horrible, horrible situation to find ourselves in day after day after day, week after week, making those, those promises to myself that this was going to be the last day, no more after this, and, and not being able to go through with that. And, but for the grace of God, I would have found myself probably probably dead of the disease. And so even though this is the chapter called a vision, I mean, the, the solution, there is a solution, we haven't seen much about the solution yet. But, but Bill has painted for us the picture of what it was like before we came to these 12 steps and before we gained our connection with the power greater than ourselves. It's, it's a, an amazing transformation that I realize in myself and in others who are recovered every single day. Uh, you know, the, the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body that I came to this program with and has, as I'm sure many, many of us did, is about to, we're about to hear what the solution was and is for compulsive overeaters who just can't stop. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny. Who would like to share on these paragraphs? This is Bella. Can I share? This is Amy. Okay, I heard Bella, Larry, and Amy, and I think there was someone else. Renata. Renata. Okay, let's go with those four. Bella, Larry, Amy, Renata. Bella, you're up. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, the last sentence. So many want to stop but cannot. And yes, I was there. And only when I came into the program, I learned to to understand myself and my disease. Yes, it's such a freedom to know that I cannot. Because till I came to the program, I was in a jail, in a jail of myself. I didn't think that I cannot. I just thought that I don't want to, that I don't have the willpower. And I was again and again with the obsession in my mind, wow, either I am so bad or so stupid or so, or so not know how to do things, not responsible, 
or other people, because of other people I am eating, if other people would act and behave and do the right thing, I wouldn't run to the food. And thank you, God. Thank you, God, that now I am in the program and I understand it's nothing to do with me. I just can't. And I need to find another power because I don't have the power to stop. And I don't have the power to stop because I am human. I am human. And this is the way God created me. And thank you, God. I am now connected. I am choosing to believe. And I am choosing to be connected to a power greater than myself. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Larry Kay, you're next. Thanks, Katie. Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Thanks for your service. So, what, what sort of thinking are they referring to? Um, you know, the, you know, lacking knowledge, you know, about a solution at this point. You know, this this disease, you know, pummels us into a state of apathy. You know, just having a complete lack of interest. I had no enthusiasm for any type of solution. I had tried everything in, in the disease one in combat. So I became indifferent to it. And, you know, in, in this, you know, mirage of hopelessness, that's what, really what it was. I reflect back now. I, I was beyond human aid. And, you know, you couldn't help me. My, my family couldn't help me. The therapist couldn't, you know, nor could you know, the author of another diet or another self-help book. I was beyond human aid. I couldn't even help myself. And and this, you know, like it says, this was a stark and ugly fact. When when something is stark, it's it's absolute. It's complete. And no amount of wishing it away would change the fact that I, I was a slave to food, you know, and I, I hated to admit that because that, that didn't feel really good, you know, to know that I was enslaved. That was a level of desperation that, and so many, you know, that that was hard to to fathom. And you know, and so many other, there there could be more convincing demonstrations. I mean, there's a reason why there's only, you know, about you know maybe 300 people that jump on this line. There should be many, many more, right? We we know of many people that have the same this the same malady. Um, and it, it was going to take a complete reconstruction, a complete spiritual transformation for me to get out of that quicksand because the more I struggled in the quicksand, you know, I was sucked down into it. But it was darkest before the dawn, you know, and we're about to hear more about the hope. And thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank God that I'm, I no longer have to wake up in a food fog um, wondering, you know, Groundhog Day, the movie, another day, same thing. It's not like that anymore. Um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Amy, your turn. Amy H. Amy G. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Thank you, everyone who shared. Boy, what have they been striking home here, these last paragraphs? As others have said, you know, this, this is the chapter that says there is a solution. But if I don't know what the problem is, and I'm and I don't understand it, then why would I even look for a solution? I wouldn't even understand the solution. I have to know what the problem is. I have to believe that I have that problem and then I have to want the solution. And they've been smashing home here. I mean Bill has made it crystal clear that if if I'm a true compulsive overeater or an alcoholic that I am 
here are the words he's using. I am tragic. I am beyond human aid. I am a failure. I'm powerless. And I'll probably have to be locked up, go insane, or die. And as Larry was saying, these are stark facts, but it is being smashed home. I mean, how many times did I stand in front of the refrigerator five bites into the bay, into the five bites into the binge, like they're saying here, pounding on the bar, going, how the hell did I get here? Again, with all my resolve, with all the consequences to the contrary, am I still here binging and stuffing food down my food, down my throat? You know, this is the mental obsession. This is the merciless obsession. And it's being smashed home here that unless I find a power greater than myself, outside of myself, that I am doomed and that I must be looking outside of myself and I must admit that I am who I say I am, that I have this problem, that I am a compulsive overeater, and that I have to find an answer because a sick mind can't heal a sick mind. And if I have this merciless obsession that it won't matter, I will constantly find myself five bites into a binge wondering how I got here, sometimes with some thought or an insane excuse, but a lot of times, especially for me towards the end, no thought whatsoever. Just what the hell? What the hell? And that's what this merciless obsession does. It talks about it in step one, that we have warped, and I should say I have warped my mind with such destructive eating that only an act of providence, an act of God, can relieve me of this merciless obsession. And it's been proven by, he says here, legions, multitudes, multitudes, thousands upon thousands. A legion is what, some 6,000? I mean, it's legions. And it's just pounding at home, but yet hope is on the way, folks. The next paragraph, hope is on the way. There is a solution. There is hope. But we have to know what the problem is, and we have to desperately then want the solution. At least that was my case, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. And Renata, your turn. Hi, good morning. Thanks, Katie, for your service. Uh, Good morning, everybody. This is Renata, Recovered Compostable Reader in New York. Um, I want to talk about the alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Um, That really brought um, to memory an experience I had, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, I was abstinent in a way for a while, but abstinent just on, you know, willpower, so like dieting with group support. And... um, I went to Brazil to visit my family, and when life got too overwhelming, that obsession of the mind came crazy. And I remember being in my dad's house, and they they brought out, like, I don't know, five different desserts. And in the most casual way, I thought to myself, well, I think I can have, you know, a slice today. It would be okay. I've been abstinent for a while now. You know, that obsession of the mind really convinced me that it would be okay to have a little bit. And I did, in the most casual way. I did have a little bit, and then I couldn't stop. Then I was off to the races. And back then, I did not know what my problem was. I did not know of the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And so, you know, um, there were... 
there were many, many times. Like, I was always stark raving absent, of course. I was always white knuckling. It was a constant struggle until I couldn't do it anymore. And so, like it says here, I am beyond human aid. When I, when I get to that point, I can't, I, I can't fight the obsession. And to, today I know this truth. I am powerless. I'm no match for this obsession of the mind. And once I ingest any of my alcoholic foods, I'm off to the races. And, uh, you know, but by working the 12 steps in this program, today I have, you know, a daily repeat from that obsession. Today, you know, that obsession has no power over me. I know that these are just lies of my disease. I know that the food is poison to me. And, um, you know, I have sanity around food. I know that a lot of people, they're worried about the holidays and all of that. And the way I look at it is um, it's just, you know, celebration and being with families and friends and whatever. But my food has to remain clean because all the other stuff is really poison to me. So thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Renata. Who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? I'd like Kim? to share, Katie. This is Lois. Vasa. Okay, Kim, Vasa, Lois. Was there anyone else? Okay. Kim G., you're up. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I get emotional when, I, when with this paragraph, beyond human aid. Beyond human aid, you know, gosh, for, I, I could talk a long time about what is that means before OA, but I'd like to talk about what that means after I was in OA. You know, living on the fellowship and the tools by themselves without working the steps had a lot of power, but they are ultimately human aid. And ultimately, when I relied just on the fellowship, just on the tools, I would go back to the food. You know, so many people listen to this line. So many people listen to this message. But not everyone recovers. You know, I came into OA in 94 and in 96, two gentlemen from Arkansas, which a lot of people listen to, came to my hometown. And I saw them live. You would think I would have recovered then, right? And I saw them and I heard this, this beautiful, perfect representation of this message. But what I thought was, wow. My gosh, these alcoholics, look all they have to do. Thank God I only have to go to meetings and use this fellowship. So it's not about being exposed to the solution, Just I have to get into the steps. I have to work the solution. For many years in a way, I heard this, this, this line about, you know, alcoholics just have to not drink. I have to take a tiger out of the cage three times a day. And I have to tell you, when I wasn't working the steps, that's how it felt. I would suffer through the day white-knuckling it, using tools, using the fellowship, just being abstinent by the skin of my teeth. And it felt like a struggle because ultimately, once again, that's human aid. I spent years in this program a 12-step program working only in eight-tool program and wondered why I went back into the food. 
And I'm just going to read from page 101. When I was using OA as dieting with support, what that looked like. On page 101, it says, Our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism which proposes to shield the sick man from temptation is doomed to failure. If the alcoholic tries to shield himself, he may succeed for a time, but he usually winds up with a bigger explosion than ever. We have tried these methods. These attempts to do the impossible have always failed. Because I would come back from a relapse and people would say to me, what, what's going on? What did you do? What, what, tell me what you did. And I would be told, I didn't do enough meetings. I didn't do enough phone calls. And I would, you don't have the right sponsor. And I would reach for that. And ultimately, they would fail me because they're all human aid. I needed to do these steps. I needed to get a connection with a higher power. And I needed to use the tools as a way of doing the steps, not the tools as a way of doing the program. Because let me tell you, let me shout, let my whole department shout to me that today to my core, I am a compulsive overeater. I do not suffer from compulsive overeating in the food, and I do not suffer from compulsive overeating in abstinence. Today, I am a free woman. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Vasa, your turn. Katie, did you call me? Yes, Vasa, your turn. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. And good morning, everybody. And thank you, Katie, for your service. And I'm Vasa O. Recovery Compossible Vita, calling from Florida. And uh, before I came and found the solution in the big book, I, this, I, mean, I can identify so much with the first paragraph, you know, being in those diets and I'm thinking and saying, oh, it won't burn me this time, you know. I'll get by. I'll get back to it tomorrow. And I did, I did all these things. Uh, for God's sake, how did I get back into the eating again? Or sometimes I remember thinking, oh, it doesn't matter anyways. I'm doomed anyway, so might as well keep on going. And, uh, uh, again, uh, I remember making the promises to myself, um, I won't do this again, you know. And I remember even promising to my husband and saying, you know, I'm, I'm making bets, you know. Oh, if I thought maybe that's going to motivate me, you know, if, if, you know, if I bet for $50, maybe, uh, maybe I'll be doing I can do it. You know, I could do it for one day, you know, for a little bit. I always lose the bets. Thank God he didn't take the money because I didn't have any money anyways. But I needed to, you know, I thank you, God. God found, you know, God brought me into the program. I I needed to find a power greater than myself. Uh, there was no no human aid. Nobody could help me anymore. I was doomed. Uh, I just had hit bottom, uh, like I hear everybody else, uh, you know, and I was ready and I was willing. And I'm so grateful to have found the solution to my problem. Finally, after battling the food addiction for many, many, many years in my life, you know, and I will never forget, I have it marked on my calendar, uh, October 26, 1986. That's when I surrendered with the food. And I surrender to the programs, and I surrender to the solution right here. And it is by the grace of God that, you know, of course I prayed to God before I came to program. I remember saying, God, if you're there, show me where you are. 
not too long after that, I came to Overeaters Anonymous. So that's why that's where I got my abstinence. This is where I've been able, you know, with God's help to recover and the help of everybody else. me, And I do what they did, you know, the solution is right there. I said, I am going to do what they're doing, you know. Surrender, put the food in God's hands, and don't take it back. And, again, I would be mentally somewhere locked up probably, or I would be dead today. So I'm just so grateful to be here and to be in the solution and such a freedom. I don't have to battle the food anymore. You know, I can be abstinent. I don't have to do it tomorrow or for Christmas for that special occasion. What a freedom. Uh, I don't want to take too much time. My son got married one year and bought the, the dress. Like, I bought it in February, the mother's dress. And he got married in October. You know what? I never took it out of the closet to see if it fits me because I knew what I was doing. What I was doing every single day. I had no. I didn't have to worry. I mean, that was a miracle. I took the dress off the hook and I put it on. It fits perfectly. I mean, that is that's a miracle. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa and Lois. It's your turn. Good, good morning, everyone. Uh, good morning, Katie. Thank you again for your service. And um, I'm Lois M., a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. And, you know, this is, this is just such an important um, par- uh, book in my life, Alcoholics Anonymous, yes, but there is a solution. Because for so long, you know, I would go to meetings. I, I didn't even really do well dieting with, with um, help. You know, I... I I couldn't diet with help. I could do it for a day or so, but <clears throat> excuse me, because I had no knowledge of my disease. And what I've learned when I first came here, what I what I what I used to think about was, will they ever get off that word? You know, over and over again, they'd they'd, they'd spend the whole time, you know, talking about two paragraphs, and I used to sit there and grind my teeth at. Quick, tell me the answers. What are the answers? Meanwhile, you know, I, I, they were telling me the answers, and I, I had no knowledge. You know, I was a very sick individual. I had, a, I really, I am a real compulsive overeater. And, and, and what happened for me was I continued to come. The best thing I ever did was to continue to come, and, and I continued to listen as much as I could. And I put the food down, and I would pick it up again, and then I would put it down again. Just exactly the way this book tells. I could stop, but I couldn't stay stopped. And I could never, I couldn't, I was so full of fear, doubt, insecurity, and disease that I couldn't even listen. So luckily for me, uh, I had to get, I had to, God, this disease had to bring me to my knees, literally, literally. You know, so that I was so filled with, the disease of compulsive overeating, that there was very little of Lois left. You know, my day would consist of making a food plan, talking to a sponsor, going to a meeting, trying not to eat, eating, not trying not to eat, and then if I didn't eat that day, you know, my, my mind was filled with how wonderful I was, or I was trying to think about maybe I could eat tomorrow. So my, my, the disease was taking up more and more of my, my life, and there was less and less of me left. I had no room to be a, a, a person who, who would think of others, 
who could set goals and follow through with them. I was consumed by this disease. And when I got desperate enough, I literally got on my knees and begged God to help me that I couldn't do this anymore. I needed to be locked up. I needed an institution. And, and somewhere along the line, I needed God and I wanted God enough. And, and I'm so grateful that he did come to me. I followed the directions in this book. When, when we need God enough, he will come to me. He, you know, I learned what the problem was. I had to learn that. I had, intellectually, I had to learn what, what was going on. I learned what the problem was. I learned what the solution was. And I was desperate enough to do what, take the suggestions in this book. You know, take them as, as perfectly as I could. And then I began to know, you know, in my heart and in my mind, I began to know that every word in this book that I used to make fun of, every word in this book is the solution. I... I Take it literally, I concede to my innermost self that, you know, this book, Alcoholics Anonymous, is a gift for me and for you, I hope, and, um, and it, it, it's a way to, to uh, recover from the disease of compulsive overeating. And I know as well, down in my toes, once I concede that I am guaranteed one day of sobriety, one day of recovery at a time, as long as I stay in fit spiritual condition and practice the steps in my life daily. And and I have um, I have been given the gift of recovery, and I value it, and it has changed my life. Uh, I have no need to uh, depend upon food for for um, for love, for protection. For curing me from anything, and I follow these directions. I ask God to give me one day today. Ask Him to remove my character defects and help me to be of service. And I am granted one day of recovery, one day at a time, if I practice these steps every day. And it works. It really works. And I am so grateful every day of my life for another day of recovery. And if you have one day of sobriety, one day of abstinence today, you too are a winner. And that's all anybody has. That's all anybody who has 25 years of recovery has. So if, if you're just starting today or you have one or two or three days, you know, you are a winner and you have, you have followed these directions. And I wish, I wish that for everyone. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Lois. And I'd like to jump in here. Um, but for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. And that's what it took for me, the grace of God to, you know, it took all those days of relapse. I went through um, 11 months relapse before I got abstinent after being in, in the rooms for five years. And then 11 months of, of relapse um, that I was finally convinced that I could not um, take that first bite without it taking me. I did not believe it before that. I thought that, you know, I just thought I was so unique and that, you know, I had the most logical reason for what I had to do whatever I did that messed up my food plan and messed up my abstinence and had me going down that road of, um, of despair again where, you know, my life was just one big dog. And I really didn't think that it could get as good as it is. I had no idea what was ahead for me in recovery. I thought that I would always white-knuckle it, that I would always be stark raving abstinent if I was abstinent. 
And, you know, today it's December 17th. Um, it's Hanukkah. It's Christmas around the corner. It's all, you know, all these uh, festive times of year, and I am not white-knuckle abstinent today. I am not, you know, looking at the foods that everyone else is partaking in and wishing that I could have just one bite. I am neutral with food, and that is no less than a miracle, and it's God's grace. Um, the only thing that changed for me was willingness and honesty to do whatever I was told. There is a solution in this program. That's what we're going to be reading next, that there is a way out and that I don't have to settle for mediocrity. And I'm so grateful and I'll pass. Would anybody else like to share before we move on? Anita L. Melissa Anita. Okay, Anita L. Kim M. Now I forgot the first one. Okay, Anita, Melissa, and Leah, and Kim something. Kim H, Kim, not Kim G. So, okay, Anita, your turn. That's M as in Mary, Kim M. Okay, thank you, Kim. Okay, I got it. Anita L, your turn. Good morning, everybody. My name is Anita L., recovered from Philadelphia for today. Uh, You know, I am one of the real uh, compulsive overeaters. It says, um, you know, the person with alcoholic tendencies. Well, I have more than tendencies. I've got it all. (laughs) I'm one of the low-bottom compulsive overeaters, and it says unless um, uh, locked up, he may go, he may die or go permanently insane. And I have to share, I've shared this before, that four years ago, I was insane. Thank God, not permanently insane. Um, And didn't go out of my house practically for four months stayed in bed, didn't didn't want to take a shower for days, etc. And um today my life is so beautiful. So but for the grace of God uh go I. You know, I'm one of those convincing demonstrations that without my higher power I would probably still be back in that bed. And today life is so beautiful. It's so filled with uh, happiness, joy, peace, contentment, service, uh, love, everything beautiful. And I have become transformed because I've worked these 12 steps. I've remembered this time around that I must enlarge my spiritual life. I must enlarge it or else I'll go right back to the food because I had years of abstinence before and lost it. And um, I don't want that to happen this time. And I'm so grateful to be able to read and listen every morning with all of you to hear the solution, the the recovery uh, stated one after the other for two hours. It's just amazing. It's my medicine uh, it's my spiritual fulfillment every day to be with you guys, and I look forward to waking up 
to make sure that I'm here by 7 a.m. And so I thank you. That is my wish for everybody that we could all feel the recovery that our higher power can bring us. And so have a happy holiday season. With that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, Melissa, it's your turn. This is Melissa C. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, thank you. Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, this part here really, um, you know, I have two modes. I have denial and obsession. And and that's my character. Those are my character defects. And... And that's how my disease has manifested itself. It's it's denial. It's not going to hurt me this time. I don't have a problem. I'll just have a little bit, you know, denial, denial, denial. And then it's obsession. It's, oh, I can't stop. And there's nothing I can do about it. And, oh, my God, I want to stop. I want to stop. I can't stop. can't stop thinking. I can't stop doing it. And And then to the point where I don't even care. And that's like the most painful place that I've ever been when I reach the point that I don't even have the energy to care anymore. It's like I'm back in the cycle of denial, obsession, denial, obsession. Um, and, and that's, um, that's the nature of how this disease has, you know, reared itself in my life. And, um, and so every solution that I tried was, was a man-made solution was, um, you know, I was going to exert my will. I was going to try some uh, someone else's food plan because surely that must be the solution. Anything um, that attempted to fix it that wasn't from my higher power was um, was a waste of my energy. It, it was only it only lasted me for a short while, and um, and then I'm back into the either denying or obsessing, and and that's how I am. You know, I have a diseased mind, so it's not just like that for the food for me, but that's how I am with problems. Uh, you know, I can walk around with the most horrific things going on around me, and I don't even see it. I'm in such denial. I've learned that. Um, and then when I see it, I can't stop focusing on it once it comes, and I can't think my way out of it. And that's where God has come in. You know, God allows me to see the truth about my eating, about my life, about any problems that may exist. Um, And then I don't have to face them with, you know, a man-made solution. There's my higher power to, you know, take it all outside of me. And the reason I haven't been able to do this on my own is because I was never meant to do it on my own. And and that's a beautiful thing. It's brought me to to my understanding of God today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa C. Leah M., you're up. Thank you so much, Katie F. Good morning, everybody. Leah M., recovered compulsive overeater. When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid. And I just wanted to talk about that thinking. You know, my disease... um, is manifested in my mind. All action is born in thought. You know, for years in Overeaters Anonymous, I kept looking at my disease as a physical problem, 
needing a physical solution. Uh, my book teaches me that I have a spiritual malady, a gangrene of the soul, so to speak, and I can't solve a spiritual problem with a physical solution. So it says, you know, when this sort of thinking is fully established, and, and that's why I needed to press into these steps because more than my compulsive overeating had to be arrested. You know, my my own philosophy of life, my ideas, my attitudes, my belief system had to be confronted and overhauled. You know, I am a spiritual being, and I came to realize I am what I think, I am what I do, I am what I feel, and if the greater aspect of my disease resides in my mind, uh, that had to be examined and rearranged. You know, I had to uh, transcend the intellect and, and, and begin living by a spirit-guided mind. And when I came uh, to this book, you know, crushed by this disease and, and, you know, praying that I could be loosened from the shackles of this misery and despair that I had been experiencing for almost two decades. I didn't know that I could be freed from this trap, this bottomless pit of compulsive overeating, um, because compulsive overeating was all I knew. It was the only way I knew um, to find ease and solace. You know, it was the only way I knew how to blot out the terror of this scary world. And I was very bogged down by fears and worries and burdened by discouragements and torn by unresolved conflicts and resentments and very frustrated at the baffling nature of this illness. But through this book, um, through the examination and rearrangement of my thinking, the program of recovery and the support of this fellowship, I was given hope. I was given hope and something came between me and compulsive overeating more than 27 years ago and has been there ever since. And that is the recovery process because my human resources as marshaled by the will were not sufficient. They failed utterly. I was suffering from a disease which only a spiritual experience was going to conquer. And I experienced God when the resistance to this program and the resistance to a power greater than myself stopped. I had to reconsider or die. I was beyond human aid. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. I'm Kim M. You're up. Good morning, everyone. This is Kim M., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Texas. Um, you know, what these two paragraphs are talking about is the obsession of the mind, and uh, the people who shared before me um, gave us a good illustration of how horrible that could be. But um, And then with no human aid being able to help you, I'm just so uh, grateful for this program because when it says also in those paragraphs that there were legions of other people could have given an example, that that lets me know that, um, you know, not everyone is, can be saved or willing to be saved or willing to turn themselves over to uh, a program. You know, my sister is suffering, and she won't even admit step one. It's really sad to see. It, it really is. And, um, you know, all I can do is pray in that hope one day that, 
you know, she will come to the knowledge of what she's doing. But I remember, you know, uh, when I was in my my addiction really bad, waking up every morning and writing out a plan of what I was going to do that day and I was going to stick with it. And I kept this little note in my pocket. And then 10 minutes later, I was having the first compulsive bite. You know, it's horrible, it's horrible, it's horrible. And I'm just very thankful to be here, and I'm very thankful that all you guys are here, and I'm just happy that God chose to save me. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm going to ask Becca W. to go ahead and read the next paragraph, which we will comment on shortly, briefly, and then revisit tomorrow. Becca W. Hi, Hi, Katie. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Um, This is Becca W., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. There is a solution. Almost none of us liked the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. Oh, my God. I feel like we could spend a week on this. Again, Becca, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Um, there's so much to say, but I'm going to focus in on rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence. This is referred to back on page eight, where he, where Bill says, I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. So what happened between page eight and page 25? Well, if we think of this in terms of dimensions, we have the first dimension, which is steps one, two, and three. It's our spiritual dimension. It's where we discover God. We get grounded in God's energy and his light. Um, We're open. We have belief and we have faith. So that's our spiritual dimension. And with that foundation, we launch into um, dimension two, which is steps four through seven. And if we look at step four, these, the way I like to think of this is, um, you know, we're dealing with character defects in this dimension, and this dimension is the mental dimension. So when we look at, um, when we do our step four, it's really the actions of our character defects that we're dealing with, the resentments, the fears, the sexual conduct the other harms that we've done to other people. And so when we look at these demand, when we look at these character defects, the actions that we've caused, we are able to um, put those down, look them in the face, we give them away in step five, and in six and seven, we see the word remove in both steps. Now, remove doesn't mean to discard. It means to distance. So just like our disease that we'll always have, we, we can't get rid of that, but we can recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. We can quiet it down. And here, we can quiet down our character defects. So what happens when we do that is our assets come to light. 
And so now we've cleared all this space in the second in the second dimension. The third dimension we come to is our physical dimension. And now we're rearranged people. We have God's light shining right through us. And we're rearranged people where we're repairing relationships, we're creating new ones. And, and what happens is we launch into um, the fourth dimension, which science characterizes as space and time. So what we've done is we've cleared the space in dimensions two and three. We've grounded ourselves in one. We, we launch through on that rocket ship. We go right through two and three through that space, and we arrive in dimension four, the other part being time. Well, what is time? Time is now. Right now, not in the past when we, were, when we were in the food and thinking about all that kind of stuff that bogged us down and got us in trouble. And we're not thinking about the future, which is, oh, my God, what's going to happen if this happens and that happens without fear and anxiety? No, it's right now. We have been catapulted into the present. And because we have God grounding us in, in dimension one, we have arrived at being spiritually present. Thanks so much, and I pass. Thank you so much, Becca. Okay, we have time for one person to share before the end of the meeting. Press star one to unmute. Hi, this is Nancy O from Ohio. May I share? Okay, Nancy. Yes, please. Hi, thank you. You said one minute? No. I said one person. Oh, okay. For two two or so minutes. Okay. I'm so grateful we uh, finally got to this paragraph. And I'm grateful I'm Nancy O. Recovered in Ohio. And, uh, you know, I I just, I started back in 94 here in Dayton face-to-face and struggled, 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 but I never gave up. And I think that's that's the big big thing. Um, I never left. I never gave up. I found a recovered sponsor back in October 2013 last year. And, she, and when I talked to her the first time, she promised me, she promised me she'd help me find a direct relationship to my God. And that was the big part that was missing um, through many years of my program in OA. And, you know, I did many fourth and fifth steps um, perhaps use them as a way to beat myself up, but to live in 10, 11, and 12, that was something I, I never did. And I do that today, and I'm so grateful. Um, this is a miracle, and uh, I'm grateful, too, that we're in. There's a solution, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thank you to everyone who has shared today. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Deb W. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, Katie. This is Deb W., Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. 
Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.